Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh, and today we're talking about your biggest moderation challenges. If the illusion of moderation is very persistent and you find yourself thinking, maybe I can, in fact, have just one drink and things aren't going as well as you'd hoped, or you find yourself feeling left out in groups, or the lie tells you that once you work through it, then you can manage just one drink. If any of this sounds familiar, then you, my friends, are in the perfect place right now. This is a must-listen-to episode if you are any one of those scenarios. So if you've ever had challenges with the moderation myth, or your brain keeps telling you it'll be different now, and you're a little bit worried about how to get through it or how hard it might be, today is a checklist of different areas that you can troubleshoot to make sure if you're stuck, you can move through it. And if you haven't fallen into the trap yet, then you can sidestep some of these big mistakes. It's important that you actually listen to this episode and not tune out, especially if you feel like this isn't happening for you right now, because this is a weird little tick in sobriety that can happen anytime. None of us are shielded from these thoughts and traps, no matter how long you've been sober. I really believe one of the reasons I've been able to maintain my sobriety as long as I have is because I'm humble enough to never think I've got this or this stuff doesn't apply to me because I've been sober 17 years. I don't need to do all this stuff. I'm okay. No, it just isn't true. I will never not be an alcoholic. And the principles that applied to me at day one still apply to me at day 6,200 and whatever it is. You know your truth about moderation, just like I knew my truth about moderation. As much as I wanted it to work, I'm just not wired that way. It took me a few situations before I really understood that I couldn't control my alcohol intake. And when I say that, it doesn't mean I never had nights out that I controlled it. I did. I had a few of those nights when I just had a few and went home without any drama. But those nights were very few and far between. Just like you can quit for 30 days for dry January or sober October, or sometimes we quit for much longer, and that feeds the myth that there is some level of control. Let's go ahead and dive into the trouble with your dreams of moderation. (laughs) And first of all, let's start with what's considered moderation. Like what is a moderate amount of alcohol? And a moderate amount of alcohol means 
one drink or less in a day for women and two drinks or less in a day for men. The article I was reading too says, keep in mind that drinking less is always healthier than drinking more. Even moderate drinking can have health risks. And the other thing I want to start this out with too is, so that's the definition of moderation, right? One drink for women, two drinks for men in a 24-hour period. But what does one drink mean? Because I feel like there's a lot of confusion when you read these stats and things. What is a drink equal to, right? Um, Different types, beer, wine, liquor, uh, all have different amounts of alcohol. So in general, and I only know this because I was a bartender for a hundred years. Like this isn't normal information that normal people know, (laughs) but it is a bottle a beer, like a 12 ounce bottle of beer, a five ounce glass of wine, five ounces is considered one drink and a shot, an ounce and a half of a shot, right? So if you have, if you have a vodka in something or a gin and tonic or a rum and Coke, it's one and a half ounces. Now, I mean, a lot of bartenders, I guess, stick to that, but when, you know, way back in the good old days, we didn't really have to stick to that. And (laughs) so your pour would be much heavier than that, but that's what it is. Uh, 12 ounces of beer, five ounces of wine, an ounce and a half of liquor. So now let's talk about all the different ways we try to moderate. How many times have you said you'll only drink on the weekends? You'll never drink more than four drinks in a night. You'll only drink after 5 p.m. You'll just have a couple of glasses of wine with dinner. You'll only drink after the kids are asleep. You'll drink a glass of water between every drink. You'll only drink wine or beer, but no liquor. You'll only have one drink an hour. You'll only drink a couple of times a year on special occasions or on vacation. Does any of this sound familiar? I'll tell you my story about trying to moderate my drinking, which was exhausting and it lasted exactly one hour, okay? (laughs) So I decided that I was going to have one drink an hour. That was going to be my goal. And I did this on a day that I think it was a football game and not like, I don't like football at all. It's like the one sport I'm not into, but it was a football day. It was probably Super Bowl and all my friends were into the game, right? And it was a game in the early afternoon. So I knew we would be drinking like all day and all night. So I knew I had to keep it together on some level. So I decided I was going to have one drink an hour. The whole hour, all I did was stare at my drink and stare at the clock. (laughs) I didn't want to drink my drink because I didn't want to run out. And I knew if I started drinking my drink, I would want to drink it at my normal pace, which would mean it would be gone in 15 minutes, right? And then I would have 45 minutes sitting there with no drink. And I couldn't tolerate the thought of not having a drink. So I just stared at my drink and I stared at the clock. 
for one hour. And it finally hit, I probably like five minutes left and I picked up my drink and I slammed it and I was like, oh my God, thank God that is over. Thank God I survived that hour. (laughs) And that was the end of my moderation attempt. Now, I did do other things like sometimes I would make myself wait until really late to go out. So I only had like a couple of hours, like you can only drink so much in a couple of hours. I definitely tried that. Um, One of my girlfriends would do the glass of water between every drink. I don't think that helps at all. It probably makes you pee more, but that's probably about it. So the first thing I really want to talk about here. We've covered moderation. We've covered what a drink is considered, right? So imagine a five-ounce glass of wine. I promise you I would be willing to bet my life when you are pouring your wine at home, it is much more than five ounces. So we've covered that stuff. Here is the biggest challenge that people have with moderation, okay? Number one you can't get honest that moderation isn't really what you want. Let that sink in for a minute. And I'm going to explain. What you really want is to do whatever you want without consequences. The whole truth is you want to drink to numb your feelings and you don't want hangovers and you don't want to do stupid things you regret, and you want to have everything you want in life all at the same time. Newsflash, that's what we all want. But the real truth of the situation is that we have to grow up and learn how to manage our feelings and build coping skills so that we don't want to turn to a substance or an unhealthy behavior to numb or to get that hit of dopamine to feel some happy. Moderation or lack thereof, isn't the real problem. The real problem is your inability to manage your feelings, discomforts, and stresses. When you get sober and stay sober, you come to understand that real recovery has very little to do with drinking or not drinking. You drink or smoke pot or take pills or eat to change how you feel, to relax, to get the dopamine hit, to numb, to sleep, to not be irritable with your family because you're tired. It's all about the feelings. Substance and problem behaviors become your primary coping mechanism because it's fast and easy. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to actually feel it. And you don't have to take responsibility for it and solve it. You can just drink or get high or whatever to not feel it anymore. And honestly, I have never met a drinking person who really wants to only have one or two drinks because it doesn't give us the feeling that we drink to get. There's some research out right now too 
that said, this is the note I took from this article, compulsive drinking may be due to dysfunction in a specific brain pathway that normally helps keep drinking in check. The results are reported in the journal Biological Psychiatry. And this is fascinating too. You guys know I'm obsessed with the brain. That's certainly no secret. Uh, I love the logic of it, but I also, I love the proof of it. It's like, that's the stuff that I know I can do and it's going to work no matter what. So of course, those are the things I want to do. I want to do the stuff that I know is going to work. But the beautiful thing right now is there is a great chance that addiction will be curable probably in the next couple of decades. Like this might be something that doesn't even have to exist anymore with the leaps and bounds they're making in modern technology and science and the brain and all these discoveries. It's absolutely incredible. Now, I also want to point out that in all of these methods and things that we try to moderate our drinking, All of that obsession with alcohol and trying to control it and putting rules on it, there's not a non-alcoholic person on the planet that thinks about alcohol that much. That is precisely the obsession we talk about that is a great indicator of an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. It's already winning. Essentially, you're trying to control something you've already lost control of. If you can get honest that moderation isn't really what you want, then you have a much better chance at solving the problem. What you really want is to feel differently, you want to feel better. You want to take down your anxiety, get rid of discomfort. You want to forget about the never-ending to-do list that you can barely read through, more or less get started on. You want to forget about the repairs your house needs, the homework you have to do for your college class, the work you brought home, bath time, dinner time, laundry, the food you wish you didn't eat, the exercise you wish you did, the money you need more of, and the list goes on. You don't drink because you love the drink. You drink because you want to feel different. And this is the problem. This is where you get trapped because substance will give you whatever feeling you're looking for. It will take the edge off your anxiety. It will make you feel funnier and prettier and more capable. It will help you sleep. It will help you with intimacy with your partner. It will make people you don't like seem tolerable. And it will make you more patient with your family. And because it provides you the result you're looking for, it becomes easier and easier to lean on it for that quick fix. When you are with a group at a social gathering, 
in a bar or a neighborhood barbecue or at the pool in the summer. You think you want to drink to fit in. You're uncomfortable being the one not drinking. But what you really want is to squash the insecurity you're feeling because you aren't drinking. You want to extinguish that discomfort and the feeling of insecurity, and a drink will do that immediately. You see how it actually doesn't have a lot to do with the drink? It's what the drink or other substance does. So let's talk about another factor to consider here, levels of use, misuse, abuse, You may have heard the term gray area drinking over the last several years. I feel like it got really popular for a while and then it kind of died off. There's definitely some truth in the fact that people drink at different levels. And one of the things that divides people and keeps you from getting help is when you hear these nightmare stories about rock bottoms and tragedies And it allows you to separate yourself from those people. It allows you to tell yourself that you're not that bad. Maybe you don't have to quit completely. Maybe you'll be able to control it after you take a break. Once you work through whatever problems you have, then you'll be able to drink. This is why I don't talk about the details of my drinking very often. Because there's a good chance you didn't drink like me. And that gives your brain ammunition to separate yourself and convince you that you're different. The truth is there are stages. So when someone tells me they're high functioning, they've never lost a job or had a DUI, they have money and success, I tell you, I could say the same thing. It took me 13 years of drinking to get a DUI. So for every day before that, I didn't have a DUI either. But not having a DUI didn't make my drinking normal. There was also a time I didn't drink at the level I did when I stopped. There was a time in the earliest stage that I would go out and I would only drink a few drinks over the course of a whole night. We'd go out to clubs and go dancing. And the point of going out was to dance and have fun. Drinks were just an accessory. Then a few years later, I could say that I drank a little more than I should, but I didn't have any problems. It wasn't interfering with my life. I wasn't blacking out, but it was definitely more important to me, meaning I would plan my activities around it. When I went out, it was about, it wasn't about the dancing and having fun anymore. It was about the drinking, but it wasn't costing me anything major. My bills were paid. I had a beautiful car in the garage and my life was a party. A few years from there, I graduated to another level. I was going out. There was no dancing at all. I would only go to places and events that had alcohol, and I wasn't really interested in anything else. My life revolved around my drinking. A few years from there, and my drinking habits got very dark and depressing. I drank as much as possible. I had no limits. 
I drank to drown my pain. I drank to forget how much I hated myself. I drank to numb the pain of what a waste of a human I was. I drank in the hopes that I would die and the pain would end. I disrespected myself. I let others disrespect me. My hangovers were brutal. And I lived my entire life in two stages. I was either drunk or hungover. That's the progression of this thing. The way I drank on day one was very different from the way I drank on my last day. It slowly infiltrated every piece of my life. It pulled me away from the activities I once loved, going out dancing, playing pool, listening to music. It isolated me from my family, pulling me away to hide my shame of the disappointment I was. It made me keep my friends on a surface level because I had to be willing to walk away from them at any time if I embarrassed myself. It became my priority because it killed the pain. And the bigger the pain got, the more ashamed I felt. Every additional year I wasted doing nothing with my life caused more shame and embarrassment and disappointment that I needed to numb. You see, even on day one, when I only had a few drinks in a whole night, I never drank in moderation. And just because I didn't have legal problems and I didn't black out, didn't make me less of an alcoholic. It just means I was in an earlier stage. If you keep drinking, you'll get to all the later stages because it continues getting worse. Addiction is very predictable. Its process is always the same. And if you want to continue to engage in the process, it will take you all the way to the end. But not all of us have blackouts. Not all of us drink in the morning. Not all of us lose jobs or relationships because of our drinking. You can read all these things on the internet when you Google, am I an alcoholic? But those details aren't the same for all of us. And if the details don't match yours, then you can lie to yourself about where you really are. You can tell yourself you're not that bad. You're not like those people. But I was exactly like those people long before I ever realized it. Because even when I was in like stage two, I knew I drank too much and I wasn't out of control at all, but I drank regularly and I knew I liked it more than other people did. And when I was somewhere around stage two, late stage two, maybe stage three, I thought I would try moderation. Because I knew I did it more than I should, and I was making crappy decisions in my life because I wasn't in my right mind. So I looked on the website at the moderation program, and the first thing it said was total abstinence for 30 days. And I quit that program immediately. (laughs) I never even got out of my house to try moderation because I wasn't even willing to stop for 30 days. That's the abnormal relationship with alcohol we talk about. I was so attached to it, I was unwilling to even stop for 30 days to try moderation. And that was years before I finally stopped. My drinking got way worse. And I still didn't get a DUI or lose a job. 
Now, let's talk about some of the things people have done that I never did. I know a person who caught their kitchen on fire because he passed out when he put a pizza in the oven. I never did that. I know another person that caught their face and hair on fire trying to light their cigarette drunk. I never did that. I know another person that tripped drunk and fell in the campfire. That never happened to me. I know a ton of people that would get drunk and get in these huge gnarly fights with their significant others and make a scene in the club or the parking lot or wherever. I definitely never did that. I wasn't a sloppy drunk or a crying drunk or a mean drunk. I didn't spend all my family's money and leave nothing for the mortgage or bills. I didn't sneak around and hide my drinking. I didn't lie about it. I didn't do any of those things. Does that make me less of an alcoholic? Does that mean I can control my drinking? Absolutely not. But you see what I'm saying? Our details don't have to match exactly. Many things that happen to me may not happen to you. And you've probably done some crazy embarrassing shit that I would never dream of doing even drunk. That doesn't change the truth of the situation. What makes the difference between a person with a problem and a person without is that relationship with the substance. The difference is I was more committed to alcohol than I was to my life. I was willing to give up time with my family to drink with my friends. I was willing to sacrifice my integrity to drink. I was willing to give up friends if they interfered. I was willing to sacrifice romance because I didn't want it to interfere. I didn't want to be bothered. My commitment to alcohol was unwavering. I want you to think for a minute about a person you know who isn't an alcoholic at all. Think of someone you know who doesn't have any substance issues. Do you have your person? Mine is my mom. I always use her as my gauge for this exercise. Can you see your person? You can use my mom too if you want, okay? Could you imagine that person lying to cover up their drinking or worrying about what they'll tell people about why they aren't drinking or making a big deal out of going to the liquor store to make sure they have alcohol or nursing a hangover three days a week? I definitely can't see my mom doing that. And I'm going to tell you this tequila story. Tequila was my greatest love, right? And I remember going to this place once in Los Angeles. I found this place and they had over a hundred different kinds of tequila. And I was so freaking excited. I could barely stand it. I made a whole night of it, planned when I was going, calling all my friends and inviting them. And we made a whole night of driving all the way across LA, which is only about 10 miles from Hollywood to Santa Monica, but it's an hour drive. We made a whole night of driving across the world for the tequilas. I can't see my mom doing that. I don't think she had the same relationship with tequila that I had. Do you see what I'm saying here? Have you ever been that excited about your recovery, willing to drive an hour across town, invite all your friends, get dressed up, and make a night of it with your sobriety? Well, I actually did that too (laughs) because I was also that committed to my sobriety. But you see that exchange of energy, you're willing to put so much energy into your drinking, planning it, shopping for it, sharing it, getting others to do it with you. But you don't want to do so much to recover. 
It's that relationship with the substance that makes the difference. It's that relationship and that special bond with it that makes moderation a problem. Because people that can moderate don't have the same attachment to it. They never think about it. They never put rules on their drinking. They never think about if it's going to be at a party or if it's not. They just don't think about it. Think about also how much energy you put into trying to moderate it. That exchange of energy, how much time you spend thinking about it and thinking of different ways to moderate and focusing on it and making it your priority. Moderate, moderate, moderate. Don't get out of control. Don't drink too much. This time it's going to be different. I'm going to try harder than ever this time. That energy is the indicator of that abnormal relationship with alcohol. That's not normal. <laughs> that's not that's not a healthy way to think about drinking or not drinking. It's obsessive. And that's part of this illness. It's that obsession. So I want you to think about that when you want so badly to moderate. Think about where you really are and think about what you actually want. I have never wanted to drink in moderation. That's the truth. I don't want one or two drinks. It's not enjoyable to me because one or two drinks doesn't give me what I want from it. I can feel better doing other things. If I'm going to have one drink, I can have a coffee or a Diet Dr. Pepper. Get honest with yourself about where you really are and what moderation really means to you and how possible it is or isn't. That's all I've got for today, you guys. I hope you found this valuable. I hope we shed some light. I hope you had a light bulb moment. If you did find this valuable, take a minute and share it with somebody who you also think would enjoy it. I appreciate that in podcast world. It's amazing. I love you guys. I hope you have a fantastic day and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.